Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I'm News Channel 5 Sports Director Andy Baskin out here in the Berea Complex for the Cleveland Browns. We are joined by WTAM Browns beat reporter Andre Nott, also our third amigo. I hate hearing old clips of myself. While I might be making a great point, all I can hear is the sound of me trying not to pass gas on air. Today, the Browns, this is big news because we are definitely going to see an ownership change here very soon. Yes, we're going to see changes here like we've never seen here before. I think since this team has been here, the Lerner family's been under underneath it. But I think obviously for Randy Lerner, uh, he ended up being the owner of a team probably before he was ready to do it. Uh, and I think when you see that, I think that kind of plays into why the team was ran the way it was. In reality, Randy was never ready to own the Browns and barely even seemed willing when he took over. In his mind, Randy had tried everything to fix the franchise. I mean, he hired and fired five head coaches, four general managers, and countless front office personnel and players. But his attention was elsewhere at this point. It was with the team he truly wanted to own in the English Premier League. The ball in from Wittingham! Two on to Aston Villa! Lerner bought Aston Villa in 2006, and then, I'm sensing a trend here, ran them into the ground too, and made himself an enemy to an entire country. Nobody, I mean nobody, hates like soccer hooligans. But Terry Pluto knows Randy actually succeeded with the Browns in the way that mattered most to him. He kept his word. You know, the word always was that after Al Lerner had passed away, that Norma Lerner, the wife, wanted Randy to keep the team for 10 years. He goes, and if you look at it, it sold 10 years later. So in 2012, a decade after the passing of his father, Randy sold the team he never wanted for the astronomical sum of $1 billion. And who is the man willing to put up a billy for the team? Enter Jimmy Haslam, a man determined to become the Jerry Jones of the AFC. There was not a problem this guy couldn't solve with his deep pockets. Jimmy the unstoppable force, meet the immovable losing object, the Cleveland Browns. Put on your trucker hat, kids. We're filling up at Flying J and driving to Brownstown. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. 
they found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. So you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. 32 team representatives unanimously approved the 58-year-old Tennessee businessman as the next owner of the Cleveland Browns. His first order of business, dealing with current Browns team president, Mike Holmgren. That clip makes it sound like they took Mike Holmgren out back behind the equipment shed like old Yeller. But don't worry, he got off way easier than that. With the ownership change, Holmgren stepped down from his position as president at the end of the 2012 season, riding off into the sunset on his motorcycle. That was all well and good for the big show. But Mary Kay Cabot was more concerned about head coach Pat Shermer, who still had to finish out the year. He lands in Cleveland, and then all of a sudden you have transfer of ownership. And that changes everything. He had a difficult start in that regard. And then there was a strike, you know, then, you know, he's trying to, to coach a football team where Colt McCoy is, is hosting uh, camp Colts down in Texas because they can't practice. And so he had a lot of adversity that he had to deal with. And he was caught in the middle of a lot of things. Weirdly, the sale gave Shermer and the Browns a little boost. So they rattled off a five and six finish after starting the season 0 and 5. I'm sure you're tired of hearing this, but 5 and 11 wasn't going to cut it. And Jimmy Haslam fired Pat Shermer and GM Tom Heckard at the end of the season. With Randy's final mistakes washed away, it was time for Jimmy to start fresh. Well, optimism isn't near strong enough a word. That's Browns reporter Zach Jackson. It had gotten so bad with Randy Lerner that people just crowned the Haslams, right? They had had a small piece of the Steelers who at the time and really still are in many ways, the flagship franchise, the model franchise. You know, those reasons are why everybody was so excited. Hey, that sounds good, right? Someone who knows what they're doing coming in from a rival franchise, maybe still some of their mojo. Well, the Haslam's weren't from the land. They didn't know about Polish boy sandwiches, the Muni lot, or Michael Stanley. Mike Polk wasn't sure a billionaire could ever truly understand Cleveland. What baffles me is just the wealthy in general. And the ridiculously wealthy, and especially the ridiculously wealthy that were born that way. How are you supposed to make like decisions and have them make any sense? How are you supposed to have any concept about how a fan base in Cleveland feels or how important this kind of stuff is to them? It's like a boat for a rich guy that they buy to show off or to have something fun to do. So it's like when your decisions are being made in that way, 
I understand that it complicates things. Now, the Haslams did try to involve themselves in the community. They immediately put money into the stadium and surrounding area. They were not from here in the beginning, uh, and they didn't have the same emotional connection to the Browns that they did to, like, the University of Tennessee. Very quickly after they got here, they realized the full impact of Cleveland Browns to the city of Cleveland and just how important it is to the fabric of this area in Northeast Ohio. They took it very seriously and they became a part of it. Now they're Clevelanders, okay? And, and now this is more than just a business transaction for them. This is their heart and this is their soul. And I truly believe that. Involved with the community? Great. Involved with the football team? Eh, not so much. Haslam wanted to be a hands-on owner who helped make decisions. The one small problem being he didn't have any experience. They didn't let him touch anything over in Pittsburgh. But his willingness to jump into the limelight and his southern drawl drew comparisons to another big-shot owner who loved to meddle in the affairs of his team. Former Brown safety T.J. Ward knew two things about Haslam. We was calling the East Coast Jerry Jones the way he moved around. He just had that, you know, that aura about him. When I think when I was on my way out, you know, they had the whole little love, gas, scandal, whatever. He was going through some stuff in court. In 2013, right before Jimmy Haslam would start his first full season owning the Browns, the FBI executed a search warrant and affidavit detailing a five-year fraud scheme against Pilot Flying J. This was, how do I say, not the fresh start anyone was hoping for. If the owner goes to jail, what happens to the Browns? Was the team going to get repossessed? The day it happened, I have a friend who's used to be a government investigator, high up, been involved in a lot of big name investigations. I just called him up and said, hey, what's, is this a big deal? And he goes, yeah, it's a real big deal. You know, it's a big deal because the IRS was along with them. And I said, well, what does that mean? He said, because that means they can pretty much take any document they want because you can claim anything is tax related. I said, well, what's going to happen? He said, well, I don't know. But typically in a company like this, with the money that's involved, it'll go up the chain and it'll approach the highest levels. And at a certain point, it will get to a level and it will stop because typically somebody takes the fall and in exchange for taking the fall, gets a pretty significant financial reward. That's, that's the way he put it. Pilot Flying J's president took the fall. And Jimmy came out of the scandal relatively unharmed, meaning not in prison. But it did reveal some seriously sick shit going on in his company. I mean, just listen to these tapes of his top pilot Flying J executives. Who buys the Raiders? <laughs> I said, you think you're going to wait something says Browns on it? The scandal changed Haslam. No, he didn't start carrying the spirit of Christmas with him all through the year. But... He did learn a valuable lesson. It changed them in terms of their dealings with the media. When I first talked to Jimmy Haslam and Dee Haslam, they said, we are going to be open. We are going to be transparent. We are going to be engaged. And after Pilot Flying J, they pulled back and went into a shell. They really went into a shell. And they just stayed out of the limelight. And they pulled together as a family to get through that family crisis that they had. It impacted the football team. They made some hiring decisions that weren't great. Jimmy Aslam stayed in the Browns family shell to pick his first head coach, the offensive coordinator of the 07 Miracle team that won 10 games, Rob Chedinsky. Part of that may be Rob was the only person who'd agree to do it after the scandal and the firings and the decades of failure. But I digress. 
Aaron Shea thinks there was another guy that Jimmy should have hired that had a ties to the Browns as well. Let me tell you something. Bruce Arians wanted this job. He wanted to come back to Cleveland. Like, truly, he wanted to come back to Cleveland. He goes, hey, go up and now I don't know. So I kind of like, kind of give him not to like, hey, Mr. Haslam, can I just talk real quick? I just, I think the world of Bruce Arians. And they go, oh, it's so funny. I got a phone with uh, Peyton Manning. He goes, he said the same thing. I said, B.A. is the smartest offensive coach I've ever been around. And I, I called B.A. back. I go, man, I think good. If the sheriff told him the same thing, we're good. And then he gets the puppet Chud. I'll, I'll listen to everyone. Bruce Arians went on to win two AP Coach of the Year awards with the Cardinals. And last year's Super Bowl with Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. Chud, on the other hand, he started 3-2 and two, behind three straight wins from third-string quarterback and hometown hero Brian Hoyer. But then this happened. He rolls out of the pocket and then he slides and gets hit by Kiko Alonso as he goes down. They fear it could be a, a torn up knee in oh. there. Chud won only one more game in 2013 with the patchwork quilt behind center. Hired because he made the potent 07 Browns offense hum, Chudinski's team managed fewer than 20 points per game. That'll go for 27th out of 32 teams. After one season, he hadn't left an impression on the score sheet or fans. We asked basically everyone on this podcast about Chud, and most people didn't have anything at all to say. Andrew Siciliano had the most. I got behind the Chud thing because I thought maybe the it would help the offense. I mean, I I, I don't I, I don't know anymore. After going four and twelve in his first season, Chud would have another opportunity to be memorable in his second. Uh, no, 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 he, he's gone. Coach Rob Chudzinski fired just after one season with the Cleveland Browns. How do you have coaches you fire after one year? I mean, Rob Chudzinski, good coach or not, we can argue that till the end of our days, but he had three different starting quarterbacks, for God's sakes. He almost beat New England in New England with Jason Campbell. Then he gets fired after one year. I mean, it's, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, they never, ever were committed to a winning system. Pat is right. How do you fire a coach after only a year? For what it's worth, Jimmy also fired the GM. Michael Lombardi after one year with the team. He was Belichick's player personnel guy with the Browns back in the early 90s. And to put it plainly, he wasn't popular back then, and he sure as hell wasn't popular when he was rehired 20 years later. The NFL is finally back, and there's also finally no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find tickets. TickPick is your best choice to buy football tickets because they save you money by never charging any service fees. I mean, ever. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which let them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, 110% difference. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Brownstown and Blue Wire Network. I got to go find some Browns tickets against the Steelers on Monday night to watch the Browns kick their tail. Visit TickPick.com slash Brownstown today and use the promo code Brownstown to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. After one year, Haslam had fallen to the same trap Randy Lerner had in not keeping continuity. I mean, good teams don't fire everyone all the time. Actually, I'm a Browns fan. How the hell do I know what a good organization looks like? Let's ask Phil Dawson, who actually has been with a good franchise. The first thing that struck me about San Francisco was the stability of the organization. They're one of those blue chip, 
blue blood organizations. And you walk in the front door and there's six Lombardi trophies staring at you. You're kind of like, whoa, they had their upstairs part of the organization squared away. They knew who they were. They knew how they did things. They knew what kind of players they wanted. That was a pretty stark contrast from my days in Cleveland, where it was one year we're going to play a 3-4, the next year we're going to play a 4-3. We're going to have a disciplinarian head coach. No, we're going to have a player-friendly head coach. I mean, it was just all over the map. And all of a sudden you get to San Francisco and it was just chill and stable and consistent. Now, if you were drafted to the Browns, you know that inconsistency through and through. All you've ever known was dysfunction. TJ Ward saw every step of the vicious cycle of suck from the beginning. And first, you suck. We would get our bus kicked week to week. And we still get so much love. Like, oh, man, it, it was great. But at the same time, it was like, man, we shouldn't get this much love because we suck. Then there's the infighting. And not just players. The coaches and front office, too. I'm hearing all these stories. I'm like, damn, this is what the NFL like? Y'all be fighting like this? Like, damn, like, we don't even fight like this in college. Y'all in the league fighting all this money. That frustration, man, that frustration. You get to point fingers and you didn't do this, you didn't do that. Infighting in the locker room and the front office leads to low morale. I think that really took a toll on us psychologically because, you know, we would lose and it'd just be like, damn, like, we can't sit in the house, like, Drinking our sorrows away, our partying our sorrows away, wherever it was when we was younger. You know, it's not New York or L.A. You know, Cleveland ain't, ain't that much to do, so we was finding stuff to do. Low morale leads to mistakes on and off the field. We were in New York, and we were playing the Giants. So we go, we shop in, and we like, we get done. We got a certain amount of time. We're like, okay, we cool. We're going to make it back. So we in the cab, and, and we hit traffic. Boom. It's like bumper to bumper. So as soon as we hit it, we look at each other like, oh, we in trouble. We starting to sweat, man. Because <laughs> we got a few miles to go. We like, we're going to have to get out and run. So mind you, we have all these bags in the trunk. So we would have got two pairs of shoes each. We had about jeans and all types of stuff. So, <laughs> so we like, we pay the taxi, man. We get our bags, get out the taxi. And we get to jogging on the freeway off-ramp. And I'm telling you, this is not no jog. We like three-quarter speed almost. We finally get to the hotel. The meeting that started, I'll never forget. That was crazy. Never have done anything like that. Never since. Okay, that was a very specific example. But the point stands. Mistakes lead to instability. I was just waiting to get this contract over with to get somewhere else, you know. Straight up, I'm not even going to lie. And then I didn't even get offered. Like, I was like, okay, well, maybe if Cleveland offers something right, I'll come back. You know, I love the city. It's another new, what, GM or coach coming in. Instability leads back to sucking. Now with a new head coach. The Haslam's had owned the Browns for just over a year. But the constant churning of the front office had given them the awful results. It took Randy Lerner years of terrible choices to achieve. Zach Jackson says each bad decision spiraled out into more bad decisions. They had obviously hired the wrong people. They hadn't stuck with one thing. They didn't trust their own judgment. And they made such a series of bad decisions that it snowballed. Then in 2014, Jimmy Haslam hired his third coach in two years since he bought the team, Mike Pett. That I told the team afterwards, this is a pass-fail league, we, fa we failed. That was, yet again, the first step in a new cycle of dysfunction. 
It would take a big change at the NFL draft to pull the Browns out of their death spiral. With the 22nd pick in the 2014 NFL draft, the Cleveland Browns select Johnny Menzel. Oh, shit. We hit the draft stage one more time and make that money sign. That's next time on Brownstown. Brownstown is hosted and reported by me, Andre Knott. Produced and written by Harry Swartout and Peter Moses. Edited by Isabel Jocelyn. Music by Brian Decker. Production coordination by Devin Shepard. And production assistance by Miriam Khan. Michael Ehrlich, Shwetha Surendran, and Zach Jackson. Brownstown is a Blue Wire podcast and executive produced by Peter Moses and John Yells. See you next time.